Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today I have a very special guest. I know this woman for over 20 years. Um, she opened the first vegan bakery ever in the entire planet. I don't know. I call her last name, the name of her company, but her name is Danielle Kanya. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Daniel Vegan Treats. <laughs> I know I it, it, right? Of course you did. It's so weird when like you know people from like, just there's a nick, not a nickname, but you like, I'm trying to think of something I can make that. You call me DVT. Yeah, DVT or like, this is like friends, Roger AF or um, Freddie Mabel or um, Skiba, as well as really <laughs> Matt Skiba. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So I call you like Vegan Treats last name. So welcome to the podcast. And um, thanks for having me. to have you here. Um, I have a lot of questions for you. And usually on my podcast, I take it back to the beginning so people can hear your story. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, where were you born? I was born in Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania. Um, Bethlehem? Uh, about half an hour away. I grew up at the foot of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. And, did, and what was that like? Um, it was awesome. I loved it up there. Uh, it was not unusual for my mom to bake pies and cool them in the window. I was always outside. I was very close to nature i loved looking for anything i could find living earthworm salamanders i grew up in the country so at a very young age you was in love with animals completely um brothers and sisters two brothers older yep were they the same way um not exactly i mean they liked being outside but yeah they didn't have that same curiosity yeah so what were you like in school um uh, straight A student, artistic. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So straight A's on a roll your whole time in school? Pretty much, yeah. Um, there was no distractions? Was there like, you weren't affected by peer pressure and stuff like that growing up? No. I mean, but social media wasn't a thing, so. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, so you're in school, you love animals, you're an art person. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, what was your first um, music you got into? Um, I thought you were going to ask me something completely different, but that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) The first music I got into, oh man, my first concert I've ever seen in my life was the Ramones, surprisingly. Wow. My older brothers listened to a lot of music that I liked and my older brother begged my mom to let uh, her take me. And so he did. So that was definitely something I loved when I was very young. I remember sitting on his shoulders watching the Ramones. So that was your first experience for a live show was Ramones? It was. Wow. What year was that? Uh, might be 1988. Holy shit. It was in, where was that? In Pennsylvania somewhere? It was at Airport Music Hall. Oh my God. It was a crazy place. Yeah. Um, I guess I would have been like 14. Holy shit. Mine must have been younger than 14. Cause You're I remember being that. on my brother's shoulders. Cause I'm way older than you and I was 18 in 1988. Yeah. I don't know. The math. Don't, <laughs> don't make me do math. Um, so then that's your first live experience. So were you listening to like top 40 or other types of music before you saw the Ramones? Uh, before I saw the Ramones, I listened to anything my older brothers liked. Got you. I remember liking Twisted Sister. I remember Sick. just listening anything. I mean, I remember my older brother listening to Rat. Like any yeah. bands they liked was what I liked because I was yeah. young. Yeah. And I also remember in that time period, like my first introduction uh, to like animal rights stuff, beca- like without knowing it, because my parents used to take me to this uh, pig roast mm. every summer with these um, friends of theirs. And I remember... You know, they would like grease up a pig, chase it yeah. around the yard and they'd ha- put it on a spit and there was a pig roast. And I remember asking, my mom said, do you want some? And she's like, you like pork. And I was like, I would never eat a real pig. Uh, and she was like, but you like pork. And I said, yeah, if you buy it from the grocery store. Wow. So while I f- couldn't fully connect. Yeah. I I understood it a little bit at that age. So is that when you became vegetarian that yeah, young? No, because I was way too young to kind of make that like light bulb connection. Yeah. It wasn't until many years later. Um, so let's get back to high school. So you had good grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of kid were you besides? Did you play sports and stuff or no? Uh, I did ballet for Sick. 13 years. <laughs> That's awesome. I was just always like a very artsy person though. Yeah. Um, so did you experience with, uh, partying at, as, at a young age? Cause I know you're straight edge, but before we get to that, like were you exposed to a lot of stuff like that in that small town growing up or no? Um, I, ha- I mean, I had two brothers, so yeah. they always had parties and stuff like that and they were way more wild than me i've never drank or smoked a day in my life i feel like that's amazing having them around made me not want to do it at all <laughs> so you pretty much tried nothing your whole life never like me I've never holy shit there's a i have a woman version of me <laughs> that's right <laughs> no no i love you um <laughs> that's fucking awesome i didn't even know that that's amazing so 
Same thing with me. I had two older brothers and they were partying in the house and they would t- take me to my first punk shows. They exposed me to this amazing music. And then through that, I found bands with other messages about straight edge. And that's what got me to realize that I'm, I'm cool not doing stuff. So that's, that's similar backgrounds. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I can remember going to like my first hardcore shows and I didn't know what straight edge was at that point. And I had uh, like I had this someone invite me and um, it was like this guy, Scott, he was in some band, Jessica, I think it was at yeah, the time. Okay. And he invited me to a hardcore show and I was like, oh, straight edge. I found my people. You know, there was a title for what you already were. Exactly. I think it's a lot of people's stories I'm realizing on this podcast. A lot of people didn't try anything and then they were into the type of music we're into or skateboarding and then they found like their minor threats. Like, oh my God, these guys sound amazing and they're singing about not doing stuff. I'm like, oh shit, that's me. Right, like those little summer trips, like I said, where there were those pig roasts. Like I never understood it because all the kids my age like couldn't wait till the adults were paying attention and they all smoke pot and drink. And I always mm. felt like this weird outcast, you know? Yeah. Like the weird girl sitting in the corner with like a journal, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so... You grew up in a small town. Mm-hmm. Small town. There wasn't. There's was only a post office. There weren't even street lights. Was the mail <laughs> delivered by horseback? I'm just uh, Amish people. Amish people out there Not too. Far away. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that Pennsylvania. Yeah, like, going to shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Damn. So su- super small town. Probably small-minded people. Oh, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, so after you saw the Ramones live, you probably blown away. Mm-hmm. And then from that, you probably started like looking into other punk bands correct after that oh yeah i mean i've always loved music i still love music pretty much there isn't a genre i haven't crossed into i love a country? lot i love old country okay okay i'm sure I, you could find some new stuff i like too but death metal huh i mean i really like seeing like <laughs> my, i saw sleep and carcass at the limelight when i was really young Sick. i had like hot pink pom-poms in my hair and i looked really out of place but it was fun oh my god <laughs> Um, so you, so obviously you make it through high school, you get straight A's, Mm -hmm. you're straight edge by default, and then Mm -hmm. you find these bands that are straight, oh my God, that's me. And then you graduate, and and so what are your goals? Like, what did you go to college for after that? I just wanted to be in New York City. I wanted the exact opposite of what I had. Okay. So I moved to New York City and went to art school. So you moved in when you were like 17 or 18? Yep. Yep. Directly after high school. What school was that in New York? Manhattan. School of Visual Arts. Oh, yeah. Shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't graduate. You didn't? No, vegan treats happened. <laughs> okay, let's rewind back to then. Oh, shit. I know that happened in high school. Holy shit. No, it wasn't high school. It was shortly after because I didn't graduate from college and I ended up moving back to Pennsylvania. And okay. it all, I was unsure of what I wanted to do with my life at that point, but, you know. Okay, so let's rewind now. So, okay. after Ramones, you find this other music straight edge and you mm-hmm. realize that's you. So, what was like your first... Was it a band? Was it a song? Was it PETA videos? Like, what was it that made you become vegetarian and vegan? Was it something from the scene? Um, I mean, the scene had an influence because I was seeing things, you know, like vegan food options and stuff like that yeah. at shows. But what really did it for me was a lobster. Okay. I was at an open kitchen restaurant with my family and a chef had thrown like a lobster into a pot of boiling water and I was bored because I was out with family and I was just fixating into the kitchen and the lobster made a really loud sound and was kind of scratching to get out of the pot and it was kind of flashing back to the pig you know it was that light bulb moment that animals suffer for for our palate you know yeah and so I had I had ordered like some type of chicken or something and they sat it down in front of me and it was that moment that I decided not to eat animals and I didn't want to contribute to the suffering of any living thing ever again and how old were you then uh, like 17, okay, 18, something like that. Were you, was your family heavy, heavy, um, heavy meat eaters? Were they always meat every meal and stuff? Um, I wouldn't say it was like necessarily meat every meal. Like my mom was an amazing cook, but it wouldn't be unusual that she'd make like pork chops or yeah. spaghetti and meatballs and, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, like they said that that was like the moment for me and like it kind of made sense because if you look back in like old pictures, you'll find like every native Pennsylvania animal and me in a photograph together. And if you, mm. like, I, I, you know, cat, dog, <laughs> raccoons, there was like a mother <laughs> raccoon that got killed and we raised them. I mean, if you, if you put an earthworm in my presence with, for five minutes, I'm attached to it. So <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. Just... <laughs> so what did your parents think of that? Mo- like when you made that decision, were they supportive of it? Uh, my mom, for sure. She's always been super supportive of me. Um, she 100% like backed it. She immediately started to try to, you know, change well, your cooking stuff. So that you. happened later. So when I went vegan, oh, like I went on a whim, right? I was like, yeah. I'm going vegan at this moment. Damn. 
So back when it was hard, and that, that, that was oh my like god, yeah. So strange. reality set in. Like twenty four hours passed, and like my mom, I like loved dessert. It wasn't <laughs> like I had a sweet tooth. It was like dessert is the best part of the meal. Totally. Dessert before dinner type thing. Like I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So actually, the first thing I ever even cooked being vegan was chocolate cake. Okay, that was your first thing. Did you ever cook anything before that? Never. <laughs> so you weren't even a cook. Oh. But you did out of be like desperation for I want I want a dessert that's vegan. I miss yeah. I want some desserts. Yeah. It's funny because it's like the number one interview question people ask me is how do you make a cake without eggs? And I'm like, I don't know how do you make a cake with eggs? I've never done it. Like I wouldn't know. And I feel like having Is that you? I don't think so. No. Oh my god, that's me. That's so bad. It's on the podcast. Oh my god, I'm gonna shut my phone up right now. <laughs> I'm um, sorry about that. I never okay. done, I, so I got a new laptop, everybody, after 15 years because I'm trying to have a professional podcast here and it takes hours to upload one fucking episode to my friend to edit. So I got my first computer and somehow my computer set up to my phone. So when that shit rings, it rings on the computer. So no more. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. So go back. What were we saying? I was going to say the first thing I've ever cooked being vegan was chocolate cake. And then I was about to say what's really funny is people always ask me like the number one interview question is like, well, how do you make a cake without eggs? Yeah. And I always think that's so funny because I could not tell you how to make a cake with eggs. Yeah. And I think that lends itself to like, I don't know, having had no experience with baking and trying to solve the science of vegan baking, I think worked out perfectly because if I had that knowledge, it might have messed up my determination to figure it out. winged it. I winged it. I called my mom into the kitchen and said, what do eggs do? And when you bake with them, and she was like, what? <laughs> She's Nobody like, no talks about that. It's just no. normal to put it in there. Right. Wow. Yeah. And what, so, what do, so what do people listening, what does an egg do to a dessert that, why it has to be in there? Yeah. It binds and lifts, but then it's like, okay. you got to replace the things that bind or the things that lift or it's two separate ingredients. So anyway, I basically just <laughs> didn't stop until I figured it out. And yeah. I was baking a lot and my friends would come over and say like, oh, did you make any vegan treats? And um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And wow, <laughs> you know, was there egg replacer back then? Um, if there was, I wasn't using it. Yeah. I don't know. You know. It was a thing later, but yeah, I don't know. So what, what did you use to simulate an egg? I guess like, what did you figure? Do you remember exactly what you figured out? Oh that? my God. I don't even remember at that particular moment, but I was trying like everything my mom had available in the kitchen. And the fr- like, I remember like, maybe five into it, it looked really good. And she came out to the <laughs> kitchen and uh, they popped. It like deflated and then like exploded. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm just trying to make vegan cake. And she's just like, oh my God. Walked away. It was funny. But, wow. you know, but then I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, like, I follow the philosophy of it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So I, yeah. of course, wouldn't stop until I figured it out. Yeah. And then, you know, I started making desserts and, uh, you know, I had, I was, had someone in my life at that time who was working in Philly on the weekends and I would frequent this, the only spot that had a vegan option, which is no longer there. The restaurant's closed now, but yeah, I remember that spot. Yeah. And I said, you know, why don't you make vegan dessert or have it on your menu? And he said, there's no such thing. And uh, what year was this? 90s? That was 99. Isn't that fucking crazy? How shit's changed since then? 1999. Yeah. 10 years ago. No, it's not. Oh, it's 20 years 20 ago. Years sorry, ago. It's 20 years ago. Yeah. Sorry, it's 20 years ago. <laughs> that's fucking crazy, Yeah, this, this will be year 20 that I've been in business. Oh, my God, dude. That's, but just it just seems like it's not so far between 20 years. 99, that's fucking crazy that back then nobody was even right. doing any of that shit. I know. I mean, you could find, if you looked really hard, like a carob chip. Carob chip. They were, I, I Something. hated chips, but I ate them because I had to. Exactly. So I was making at this point all these like cakes and stuff and I was about to give him like the recipes. Here's how you should do it. Damn. You should make them. And he's like, oh, he's like, why don't you make some for me? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't even like baking. Like, I don't want to make him cake. So, so as you're making these cakes, you're living back at home. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you have, you graduated already, correct? Or yeah, know, I, I was. not doing this in high school. No, no. Uh, this was 99. At this point, no, I was I was living with the, the guy I was seeing okay, at that gotcha, point. Okay, gotcha. gotcha I ended gotcha. up, moved, that's why I left New York. I moved back to Pennsylvania. For a dude. For a dude. Mm-hmm. Left college for a dude. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, I didn't really leave college for a dude. I was, um, I started working for a design company at the time. Mm. And I started working doing the thing that all the kids were in school trying to do. Okay. And I was like, this is what the job will be like. I don't even know if I want to do this. Gotcha. And then I traveled a little bit, and then I went back to Pennsylvania. Okay. But your, your thing was all art, so... Yeah. When, 
what you ended up creating was this amazing company and amazing uh, desserts through your art and your vision and all that stuff that you learned. Well, right. So when I started making vegan cakes and then this place uh, down in Philadelphia wanted to carry my stuff, yeah. my immediate reaction was, well, it needs to look as good as it tastes because aesthetics matter. Exactly. And like people don't think vegan dessert is going to taste good and I need to change their mind. And the only way to change their mind is to have it look amazing and yeah. taste amazing. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. I agree. So I started, I brought him three cakes. Well, actually, this is what happened. I brought him a half of a cake that I baked at home just to prove him wrong. Vegan desserts exist because <laughs> here it is. Yeah. <laughs> he That's called amazing. me up and said, I gave away some to some customers. They loved it. Will you bake me three cakes for Friday? I was young. I had just moved back to Pennsylvania, you know, whatever. So I made him these three cakes. He called me an hour later and said, they're gone. We sold them all. Damn. People are, people want more. And then asked me if he could order 11 cakes for the following weeks, for the following week. And I thought, what? 11 cakes? How in the world am I going to make 11 cakes? Yeah. So I did what any sane person would do. I called my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Can you come help me? I have to bake 11 cakes, you know? Was she like dumbfounded? Like what the hell's happening? Did she realize like... Um, You know what? She's just super awesome and super supportive. So she was just like, I'll be right over. You know, so she came over and we took like the racks out of the oven. We were staggering cake pans and, you know, I had never used a pastry bag or a spatula, but I learned quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured it out and I had that art background helped a lot. So I knew that they looked really pretty. I mean, yeah. I'd seen cakes before. Um, the peanut butter bomb, the origin of the most popular cake we make came from the fact that I just wanted more icing than cake. Okay. So that peanut butter mousse, I was like, well, how can I scoop it on top and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I love peanut butter bombs. Shout out to Hoy from Apple. That's his favorite dessert he ever made. And we used to bring him on tour. And he's like, yo, peanut butter bomb. We used to text each other. Peanut butter bomb. Like, that was one of the first things I tried, too, at Michael's and Zoe's. We'll get to it later in New York. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you're making the cakes. Yeah. Your mom's coming to help you. Right. So, uh, I start making them the cakes. And the next thing you know, like, uh, you know, I'm renting. <laughs> well, here's what happened. I'm making cakes. Uh, the guy I'm seeing at the time, like, cut a piece of plywood to put over his foosball table. That was my cake decorating <laughs> station. Sick. Um, I immediately start looking for a place to rent because other restaurants are calling. Now people want it. Yeah. People are catching wind of it like a month and a half into this. The New York Times called trying to interview me. And I was like, so like panicked. The internet too. Like how they find out about you? Just the, buzz, happened, the buzz was spreading. The buzz was spreading. And then I wanted to start bringing cakes to New York. Um, so I did. And the next thing, you know, I was like moving into this other place down the street, quickly outgrew that. I don't know. And here I am. It's 2019. I have 53 employees. Um, we work, operate 24 hours a day. We have a hundred, over a hundred wholesale accounts. We That's fucking crazy. ship all, all over the world. All because you went vegan and you're like, I need dessert. Dessert's the best part of the meal. There's no vegan desserts. And I'm trying to think back then just in my mind now what, what vegan desserts I even had. I remember there was this one thing. It was called the no cookie. Mm-hmm. It was an anti-sign to a cookie. I don't know if you remember those. It was chocolate chip and oatmeal. You could buy them at a health food store. But that's the only thing yeah. I can ma- remember that was vegan. But like there was nothing like you were making that you could go like get restaurants and stuff like that. And little shops. And so yeah, you're the first vegan bakery in the whole fucking, that we know the whole planet. Yeah, I think the greatest challenge back then was just convincing people it was actually vegan. And you know and try it. it's good yeah. yeah like i can't remember like the call, all the phone calls like it can't be vegan i'm like but it is you know like it was funny <laughs> um <laughs> i think we still get that sometimes though <laughs> i'm sure sure but now there's so many you know like there's i find vegan stuff everywhere i go now it's so awesome it's like a dream world i know so back then <laughs> it was just you so yeah think about this okay for those of the people who are longtime vegans or new vegans things like soy milk forget all these other things because they didn't even happen yet. Soy milk didn't even exist, let alone oat milk, almond milk, cashew milk. Like, I mean, almond milk did Rice almond breeze. Yeah. But it was just unheard of. Like I had to use, I remember uh, having to get like Eden soy from the local soy. health yeah. food store <laughs> to practice baking. It tasted so bad compared to everything we had. I remember Eden soy, man. Yeah, it's crazy like how much things have evolved, you know? I Eden soy still even around. All that, just eating like the dry Boca burgers and just having falafels and the new not dogs mm-hmm. were like super plasticky. And just trying to be really creative back then. And even just the word vegan, people couldn't pronounce it right. Even vegetarian, it was, it was like such an alien lifestyle back then. And like for you to be doing that and being the first one to do it and then yeah, have I mean, it blow up. Exactly. Like I never in a million years would have get, like, guess I'd, you know, there'd be like a, bake, a vegan baking revolution or that I would have paved the way for anybody else to start other companies. Or I mean, that's amazing. It's, yeah. So when, so when your business first kicked off, you were doing it. So you did the 11 cakes and then how... Fa- what happened next after that? Like, 
when you had to open up a spot, how long after that did it get really crazy? Did it happen overnight? Like oh, within a few months, I had rented a place down the street and turned it into an official like commercial kitchen. And then okay. in 2004, I opened my first retail store. Okay. Um, in here where I where I live in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh, I opened my first retail store, and it was funny because. The space I got, I just needed more space, which, by the way, is my same problem here in 2019. Yeah. Space. <laughs> which, is, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's like you're trying to downsize. You're trying to fucking upgrade. So that's... Oh, yeah. It's only it's only grown. It's, yeah. It's been crazy since then. But um, I lost my train of thought. Well, were there vegans in that small town? Where you oh, lived? that's what I was going to say. I didn't know if anyone would actually come. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, I can open a retail store. I'm not sure if anyone will actually show up. Oh, but they showed up. Yeah. And they still show up. People fly from all over the world. People have camped in front of the bakery. For drops and shit. Yeah. Oh my God, we have a line down the street pretty much every day. So you think some of those same people from that town like are still coming? Maybe they, I think there. half the people in my town don't really even know or care what vegan is. They just know it's a great bakery and they just come. You know, we have that. a regular guy that has like a hunting license on his hat. That's <laughs> just funny. Wow. I mean, obviously I hate these things, but you know what? He's eating vegan dessert, so I've done my job. So they like it because it tastes good. It doesn't matter if it's vegan or not. You make a good product and people like it. Exactly. And I've realized that if you make something, uh, you know, like a vegan cake, it's a really easy way to seduce people into thinking and caring. You know, I always say compassion starts with your fork. It's the single greatest thing you could do um, to impact the planet, the environment. And it's a really easy thing. You're on the same telepathic wave as Tal Ronan from Crossroads because his is world peace starts in the kitchen. And I love that. Like you're just making good quality food that just happens to be vegan. It's actually tasty and almost better than shit that's not vegan. And that's how you win people. Holy shit, because people have this stereotype of veganism, especially back then. Like it's just this hippie kind of dry patties and all this kind of boring food, nuts and all this stuff. And you make something like that's moist and like a real cake or something that's really tasty. People are like, holy shit, I, I could actually probably eat this stuff. Exactly. And, like, and by the way, I, I love Crossroads Entel, and I think it's, um, yeah, he's definitely set the bar high for vegan food. It's yeah. incredible and amazing. Yeah, so. The world's sh- a better place with him in it, that's for sure. Agreed. I would love you, Tal. Um, so you should start, so you open up that bakery, that starts doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, hiring employees. So. Here's when I realized I was doing something that people cared about. See, I didn't know this. I just had my head down. I was in the kitchen. I was making these cakes, whatever. And I get asked to come to like an animal rights conference in Washington, D.C. Would you bring desserts to an animal rights conference in Washington, D.C.? I'm trying to think what year that would have been. Maybe 2005? Okay. I think. Something like that. So I show up with vegan desserts and there's a really long line of people. And I thought, that is so weird. What are they waiting for? Because there's speakers and all this stuff going on. Yeah. So I show up and I walk in and all these people start clapping. And I was like, oh my God, they're waiting in line for dessert. Like, is this Holy happening right shit. now? Yeah, like a rock star. I was embarrassed. <laughs> I like wanted to hide. But um, <laughs> I get back and I set up the desserts and the people organizing the event came over and complained. They're like, no one's in the rooms with the speakers. Like, this is a distraction. But you I mean, invited me. Yeah, yeah. But this is kind of like what's happening. You know, we do veg fests. We have huge lines. I mean, I'm just trying to do the best I can and put the best product out there that I possibly can. But I didn't know that what I was doing was special. I was just doing it. And you were in it every day. So you're like yeah. you're creating new shit every day. You're in your own world and people are like, and it's crazy because that's before the internet was really like popping and you can, you can be buzzing about the, the cool vegans. You couldn't Google like the, I mean, obviously maybe you could on the computer, but I'm saying like, that's kind of way before like what it is now. So that's just word of mouth by your product being great and people just, oh, you try vegan treats. You know what yeah. I mean? It's fucking like, I know that I put a lot of time and care and into what I do and stuff like that. But like, for example, a few years ago, American Express named us one of the top 10 bakeries in the world, not vegan bakeries, bakeries. And when they sent me the email, I threw, I put it in the trash because I thought it was spam. <laughs> Are you serious? I'll try to get, get a credit card. <laughs> Are you and serious? I was like, that was, I think maybe I'll just forward that over to like, you know, someone I trust and have them look it over and see what they think. And they're like, no, I really do think American Express is naming you one of the top 10 bakeries in the world. And I was like, what? You're on their fucking radar. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. And then I sent like them a few photos and it happened. Like, it's just stuff like that always blows my mind because yeah. I mean, like in the vegan world, right? We all know what's good. We find it, we seek it out and that's amazing. But to get the other, you know, what, 98% of the population eating vegan, like to me, that's the greatest achievement. Yeah, for sure. Like you can, you can't preach it to convert it all. It's obviously vegans are going to love you, but yeah, getting other people to try it and like, yeah, it's amazing. That's, that should be the whole goal is like inspiring people to get off their meeting and diets and try something different through, through good foods. And that's fucking awesome. And right. But I need to spread out to the West coast. I wasn't going to go there. I was going to wait to the end and get to see how you're feeling. But yeah, my goal is for her to have vegan <laughs> treats in California and a lot of people that 
are listening know a lot of people that um that i know in my group of vegan people that we would love to have around here and we all be very supportive of that and help her do that anywhere <laughs> we can that's a different topic yeah, different subject <laughs> so now you're on the radar of, of, of american express you said it's up and th- let's get to fatally yours um mm-hmm. named after uh, alkaline trio song that's right and it's like one of your biggest things you have every year for valentine's day and you sell a lot of those and people order them it's like a pre-order for them probably right yeah that was also an accident by the way okay i just never really liked valentine's day okay. <laughs> and my mom had <laughs> a box of chocolates that they were not vegan my stepfather bought them for her and it was like a few days before Valentine's Day and I asked her if I could have the empty box and I spray painted it black <laughs> mm. and I paper mache like a skull on the front or whatever and I gave it to a friend of mine to be funny. I made like skulls and coffins. I didn't even post it. Like he yeah. just happened to post it online. Gotcha. And I woke up to like 57 emails of people like wanting this chocolate box. This is like back in 2007. Was there anything in the chocolate box? Or just the, just the yeah, I box? made chocolates in it. Gotcha. gotcha. I made skulls. And okay. I think I made like chocolate teeth and like tombstones and like all okay. this weird stuff. And um, yeah. So anyway, I uh, I started to make, I be, sort of became like, it was the antithesis of Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> like, so did you have to keep about it when it first went down? Like I'm going to do this after a song? Like how it was. I mean, I just naturally thought it should be called Fatally Yours. Yeah. And of course I sent him one and asked him if he minds. Yeah, I was like, do you sure. mind? He's like, no, it's awesome. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's like a fucking phenomenon. That, that whole Right, so I didn't know that making this Valentine's box would make me become like the spokesperson of anti-Valentine's Day. Like last mm. year, I did interviews with BBC World News and Canadian National News over like a Why black do you hate chocolate. Valentine's Day? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you love? hate love so much? <laughs> like, I don't. It's just funny, you know. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be about teddy bears. Like, it could also be something cool. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the like black gothic heart in me like yeah. speaks louder than I realized. <laughs> yeah, but then like, because I see those and I see like. There's a big, there's a, there's a lot of people that want those and get bummed when they're sold out. Like they I, sell I out quick. Whole, yeah. And so you had to rent out extra space this past year to make them. Oh my it God. just so happened to be in a, um, in a <laughs> church. Yeah. So we have, uh, <laughs> we are busting at the seams. We're like trying to expand into a production facility. So that's going to be the next step. Anybody listening lives in the area that has a big gigantic building you're trying to sell let us let her know go ahead yeah maybe one day it'll be like tasty cake they get their supplies by train car i'm envious <laughs> really <laughs> yeah holy shit anyway i want to live in a world where space is not an issue i feel like human i don't know i feel like it's a bakery on a treadmill like we're always trying to catch up mm. um but anyway so we wanted to produce this chocolate box and we can never seem to make enough demand is a problem i mean it's a great problem but yeah. it's nonetheless um growing pains are a struggle yeah so we rented a commercial kitchen which happened to be in a church and it was, you know, can we come make a few boxes of chocolate? And by a few, I mean like a couple thousand. Yeah, of, of dead body parts at a church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so last year's theme was <laughs> I love you to pieces. And it was a severed hand holding a note that says I love you to pieces. You know, fatal yours. Yeah. When you opened it up, it was all organs. Uh, so, you know, we're making these chocolates and the pastor keeps coming in to check on us. You know, is everything okay? And I'm like, how do I, I have to hide these severed fingers? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable. They definitely seen him for sure. <laughs> he didn't seem to care, honestly. He was really nice. Did they try any of it? I felt no? a little stressed out over it. <laughs> you, did you, they try any yeah, of it? Yeah, we left him chocolates every day. <laughs> we always left them snacks around. <laughs> um, have you felt any pressure being a woman? Oh. I, I don't know what it's like being just a woman in the industry in general, trying to be like start your own business, but... Just a woman in general, I guess. Not just the vegan community, any kind of business. But was there any been any backlash as being a woman running this or no? Um, I would say just a lot of it has to do with like when I was starting out my company. Yeah. I would say a lot of, you know, people just like, oh, you can't do that. No way. Like, mm-hmm. that's not going to be good. You know, I always was like working cafes and stuff like that. And the chefs would always be like, oh, the weird vegan girl, you know. Mm, yeah. But yeah, yeah. like jokes on them. Yeah. <laughs> so the joke is on them because when your shit started blowing up, it started becoming everywhere. So I was living in Manhattan at the time. So your stuff was at like uh, vegetarian paradise. Maybe oh, Michael I can Zoe's. give you an example. Give me an example, please. <laughs> I have a couple accounts in New York. Okay. Whose name I will not speak. Okay. And they'll call my bakery to place like their wholesale order. And sometimes I'll answer the phone and they won't give me their order because they refuse to give their order to a woman. So I have to hand them off to like one of my managers. Like who's a dude. Serious? It's crazy i'm Even like your shit sells and helps their business yeah hold on let me get my let me get a guy who you can give your order to like are you kidding me nice. i run and operate this place wow yeah it's kind of ridiculous still to this day that happens still to this day 
So I remember seeing your shit in Manhattan. I was super psyched about that. Me and my wife lived a couple blocks from Michael and Zoe's. We lived on <laughs> 2nd Avenue and 5th Street. Yeah, Michael and Zoe's. Yeah, so that's when we first started seeing your stuff. Was that was, was the first place I got into in New York? First place was Veg City Diner. Remember Veg that City place? Diner. Yeah, I do remember that. They had that spinny dessert case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Veg City Diner. Yeah. And then I remember Michael and Zoe's was closing and uh, there was Atlas right down the street. And at yes. that time they had nothing vegan. And I went in there and said, listen, I'm selling a lot of cakes up the street. And I promise you, <laughs> if you carry them on your menu, you're going to be busy. And they thought I was crazy, but they took a chance on me and they did it. And yeah, they're one of our biggest accounts in New York City. It's fucking awesome. And they're still there, right? Mm-hmm. Moby Spot. Yeah. Um, Teeny. Teeny used to put shit there too? Yeah. They wow. still do even though it's under other ownership. Mm-hmm. I know it's still there. It's still called, is it still called Teeny? We, we edit that shit out. I don't remember. Um, shout out to Moby. Uh, we have to get that shit Little Pine too. Um, that's His desserts awesome. are great there though. Yeah, they're really good. I like the chocolate chip cookies yeah. with a little thing of milk. Red bamboo. You know, it's I remember. Red bamboo, the OG spot. It was funny. Like some of the challenges were getting into certain neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Like mm. you had to have like a certain group of people like give you like I don't know, a glowing recommendation. And then all of a really? sudden I could deliver to all the soul foods places in Harlem. Oh, that's right. And then because it was okay with them, then it was okay with like Mr. Wong who owned Red Bamboo. And then it was okay mm. with all the, you know, Chinese restaurants downtown. Like it was funny. Wow. So how many places is it in right now in New York? Um, that's your oh biggest, gosh. that's your biggest place where everything goes. Correct. Yeah, it is. I, I would have to, I don't know. 10, I'll 20 lo- places. Oh no, it's probably over a hundred. We delivered places in Manhattan. We delivered all five boroughs. Oh shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Brooklyn. There's so many spots in Brooklyn. So how does that work? Delivering stuff from Bethlehem to New York. Like what is that process like? Is it? We have three delivery trucks. They're out every day and we leave the weekends open for wedding and special order deliveries. Okay. It's crazy. So you do a lot of weddings too? We do. And right now we only have an 18 hour window to turn over wholesale because we're so busy. So we need to have the first order go out in order for another order, you know, to start baking. So I have an incredible team, 53 people. We work 24 hours a day. It's an insane operation unless you've, unless you saw it. I I need to go there and see it. It doesn't slow down ever. Yeah. What's your slow season? I'm like, that's funny. We're off (laughs) on Christmas day. So, okay. So you started getting to all the restaurants, Mm -hmm. all the spots where I used to get your stuff. And then where would it go after New York? Did it go to Boston to go anything further? Or was that the main Pennsylvania and New York? Uh, well, Washington, D.C., Virginia, okay. Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York City. But you know what's funny? Our retail store in Bethlehem, PA is so insanely busy. Yeah. It's crazy. I think crazy. people drive to get shit for their to, to experience it. Yeah, like that single retail store is like all the wholesale combined. Like it's so okay. busy. So when did you start... Um, so it started blowing up. You started hiring all these people. You got a bigger mm-hmm. spot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then it became like, was there a moment you realized like, this is my career. This is my business. This is going to be a long-term thing. Like, because you kind of just winged it at first by making a couple for that spot. Oh yeah. I winged it at first, but I have a great care and precision in what I'm doing. I mean, my first goal when I started hiring employees, um, and like back in 2004, uh, was, you know, I want to hire like the most skilled technical chefs I can find on the planet. And so how did you do that? Leave, living in Bethlehem was a hard. I did a lot of interviews and found like the right team of people. I mean, um, you know, for the first like almost 10 years of my business, it was just my mom and I. I was working 90 hours a week. It was insane. Damn. You I, I mean, I did everything. That. Yeah, I did everything. I drove every single cake. I delivered. That was the hardest thing to give up, letting someone else drive the cakes. You know, I'm like, they're going to turn me. turn too fast. It's your baby. You put it together. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's like fucking art piece. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, these days I couldn't, I couldn't do it by myself anymore. Yeah. Um, I've far outgrown that. And now we have like, you know, a, te- a team of nine pastry chefs and chocolatiers and a sculpting department and a team of bakers and front of house counter and amazing managers. And we're like a really close knit family and I love them. And I hope some of them want to relocate to LA. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of day one, day one people have been with you the whole time. Uh, not day one, but probably around day six. You know, yeah. they've been with me a long time. Yeah. I have some lifers for sure. It's amazing. When did you ever or did you ever nail down the, the ingredients that would make everything? Because you kind of winged it at first trying to find like your egg replacer type stuff. Was there a moment where you're like, this is going to be for this? Like, did well, you just kind of wing it? Like, yeah, just... in those moments I was winging it, I was creating things like the peanut butter bomb, which is still on my menu today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those original recipes have never changed. Yeah. Um, that's what's funny. You know, some of those things we still make and we continue to evolve, you know, like I brought you those better fingers. Like we're always trying to stay ahead of the curve, make new things. Yeah. Did, did, oh yeah, let's talk about the butter fingers and the Twix. Mm-hmm. The Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are my wife's favorite that you always bring her out to her. I can have one cause we eat them all and I, I get crazy. <laughs> 
But when, like, when did that happen? And obviously, you're a fan of Twix and yeah. Butterfingers because Butterfingers are the best. Like, did you realize, fuck, there's no versions of some of the, the best candy bars? And you I was did just it? satisfying my own sweet tooth, really. And then and it, it made and a lot of other people happy in the process. <laughs> and does Butterfinger know about that? And Twix, do they know that you're doing their exact? Is there like I mean, I can't really that? call them. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a problem, you know. It's it's their creation, but I just really want a vegan version of it. <laughs> yeah, and they got to know you exist. I'm sure. Yeah, you don't call. I just it that. can't call it that. I call them, you know, quote better finger bars. Mm. Yeah, and twox. I call them <laughs> twin caramel cookie stix okay. sticks. You so know, how hard? I mean, how did you figure out that? Just copy the ingredients, like basically, or oh, no, I don't, I don't you know. How did you? How did you? No, make you can't. It? I didn't even look at their ingredients. I was just yeah. going by like a texture thing. So like butterfingers, I you know, it's like it's got to be a candy temperature type thing. Like if there's. Yeah, I have a certain knowledge of figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, was there point. a lot of dairy in those originally? I have no idea. Because Butterfinger, obviously butter. You don't I don't know. About the butter Twix. could be peanut butter, though. Yeah, I don't think about that shit. Because there's a lot Not of vegan butter, things by butter. default. There's those peanut chews that are made in your town, I think, right? Yeah, those are vegan, but most by of those default. candies aren't. Yeah. Obviously, we know this. We know this. But for <laughs> people listening, like the peanut chews is the bomb. It's like an East Coast thing, and it's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, they're like a really good little candy. Um, I take those to the movies. So the Twix and the, or the, whatever you call them, those are fucking amazing. And so when did you start doing like weddings and stuff? Made your first wedding cake? Oh, we've been doing, I've been doing those all along. Okay. Yeah. From when you guys first opened? Mm, Yeah. Like, well, when I first opened the retail store, I started doing wedding cakes. Okay. Yeah. And that was like a whole different thing for you to make. Yeah, actually... That was like, like a real that art. was like that's the one thing I didn't want to do because mm. brides are sort of terrifying. Yeah, they bring <laughs> <laughs> they bring notebooks. Well, this is a stressful <laughs> time for them. It's a big deal getting married, so they want the perfect cake. That was the first thing I relinquished to other people. Can you do wedding consultations? <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you ever have a cake smash in the van? Well, oh my god! Happen. Tell that story. <laughs> this is great because I'm going to be telling the story. Yeah, of course <laughs> you can't you can't do anything without running into some problem along the way. You know? Yeah, yeah. Those are the things. That, what is that? Oh, who knows something outside um that was something that happened you had to fix it or some shit maybe you told me the story it could have been so many it stories crashed and you had to go you know, get- i woke up to a picture text of like a four-tiered like wedding cake um that had fallen over on the, deli- on explain the drive the, explain what four tier means because i don't know what that means it's well big. you know like when you get a wedding cake i was like stacked up it okay, was like four. a four-tier cake and the driver like went around a turn really fast and he had a take it to Queens really early in the morning. And yeah. instead of like calling me to talk about it, he sent me a picture text of it just like sideways in the back of the delivery truck. And I was like, Oh my God. But I mean, it was early enough. It was an early delivery that I went, met, you know, one of my pastry chefs, I called him in and we went to the bakery and we tried to replicate it. And Did it work. It wasn't exactly the same. I think I ended up having to like refund them or I'm, I and think I'm, ha- I'm getting anxiety. I'm sweating thinking about and this. And gave him the cake anyway. Of course. I mean, I, there's no way in a million years I was going to let them down. Yeah. It was just impossible to make what was intended. I think they ended up with like a three-tier cake, and then we got like sheet cakes that we were able to slice. Was that really was one of the stressful moments? They were, it was, I mean, if I think about it for more than 10 seconds, I'm stressed out. Like my hands will start to sweat. Yeah, but it never I don't, again. Probably, I'm such so. a perfectionist. Yeah. I like strive to not make mistakes. And, yeah. Always want people but you're to be not, happy. But you're not perfect either. You do your best. Exactly. But like if I made a mistake or forgot a cake at one of my accounts in New York City or something, like I would literally drive to New York the next day and bring it to them because I was like, I can't. I have, so, can't let them down. I mean, that's the epitome of DIY and epitome of like, uh, I'll do an example. So you, you have a band, you have managers and they try to like help you do things. But in reality, you end up doing more because it's your baby and your passion and other people try to help, but it's your shit and you want it to be perfect. And so... It's the same thing. Like you're the artist and you're making this. Other people are helping you, but it's your name and it's it's like your reputation and it's like your, your passion yeah. and love. So you have to make sure it's perfect. Right. I mean, well, and people don't care like, oh, so-and-so is having a bad day or you just had a baker quit. That doesn't matter. Shit. None of that matters. What matters is that you show up and you provide what you said you provide and you did mm-hmm. a great job. Yeah. And also, I mean, I have an amazing staff of people helping me pull off all the yeses now. Yeah. You know, I have a hard time saying no because I always think like if I say no, what if this place goes out and gets a non-vegan option or calls some other bakery? And they, so I, you know, those are the things that keep me sleepless. And Do you sleep? Um, I do sleep, but the bakery <laughs> never shuts off. It's always on my mind. It's 24 um, hours because it's yours. It is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I mean, luckily I have amazing people and we all work together to make it happen. And Yeah, it's hard to let, was it probably hard to let go at first to let somebody take over and maybe start 
baking the stuff because you couldn't do it all. So if somebody else was doing what you like. There was a duplicate of you doing that. Right. It's kind of hard to let go at first, right? Because that's your baby and your product. And oh, it's it was so hard. I was yeah. probably a horrible person to work for at the beginning because I was probably like, what? Huh, no, don't do that. You know, perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, now it's like, it's wonderful. So that's what's kind of hard about thinking about Open One LA because you have your team there. You need the exact team here. Mm-hmm. Even though that there would be a demand for it here and do really well and there's nothing like that in Los Angeles. It's easy for me to say, come out here and do it, but you need to have that team here and just as good people. It takes an army. Because it's your reputation. It's your name now for 20 years. So it's like, right. Vegan Treat's got to be just as good or better when they come to Los Angeles. Which I'm ready for. I love a challenge. You listening to people? She's putting that shit on fucking, it's, re, it's recording right now. She's ready for a challenge. Um, <laughs> all right, so shit, 20, damn, so. We sound old, Toby. No, we don't. <laughs> we, we look good because of our diet, so we look young. Um, so was there, okay, were there people coming out then when you started blowing up that were copying you? Yeah, but I always try to take it as a compliment, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was weird to see like a replica of my peanut butter bomb on the Food Network, you know, like we came to Philadelphia to get this cake that everyone's been talking about. And I'm like, wrong place. Are you <laughs> like, serious? Yeah. Stuff like that has happened. It's been weird. You can't trademark that shit? It's trademarked, but you know, people don't do their homework sometimes. And you know, what's really interesting is the trademark vegan trees got taken away, which I hate and love. And here's why I hate it. Well, because it's my name. But why I love it is because vegan treats have become such a popular descriptive term that it's kind of like using the word Xerox. So congratulations, we are succeeding vegans. <laughs> that's pretty, that's true. Yeah, but at the Everybody same time, what do I do? You know, my yeah. company's called Vegan Treats because back then people didn't know what those were. So what do you mean somebody took it away? You don't own the rights to the name? I have the rights to the name of the, the store, but no, I don't even know if I should talk about this on air because... Yeah, give so people ideas well, when people google i'm looking for some vegan treats there's google vegan treats and oh my god all this option you, you probably know one that comes up right but like oh, all kinds of treats you can get and being vegans exactly and stuff so because it's become like a vegan treat and people are using that now readily the name yeah. of the company trademarking because that's taken like away. a weird word back there people can even pronounce the word vegan and like people right. are even saying that like what the fuck's that probably at first too like what's a vegan treat vegan yeah exactly and now it's like the most common fucking word yeah. Along with gluten-free and plant-based and all these, it's crazy how fast forward to now, 20 years, how it's a normal thing and everybody's having vegan options. It's, it's incredible to see that happen in my lifetime being on this planet and being meat-free for so many years is seeing all the options, man. And you were one of the pillars of that. And I thank you for that. You were one of the yeah. pillars to start that is with the, the baking goods and, and all of America and pro, pro, who knows, it might have been something in Germany, but I doubt it. Or somewhere in the co- other country, but I don't think so. You set that off. Like, you, you set it off. You know, I never realized how synonymous vegan eating was with music, though. That was what was really interesting. Like back even from day one, like how many bands yeah. have requested desserts or that we had to show up and bring desserts. Um, that was really interesting to me. And mm. I, I, I remember thinking that was so cool. Like I remember delivering what was the cakes. first band? Well, you know, like, you know, before I was, I knew like any, any of the AFI guys, like I remember them asking me if I would bring desserts to Roseland. Sick. And I brought desserts up to the backstage area and they're like oh just a minute and i was like what are they doing like i was outside like the dressing room door yeah, and i was yeah. kind of nervous like what are they up are you to AFI i didn't fan at the time oh, yeah of course they're great yeah. but i didn't know anything about them as people so i was yeah. like i don't know what they're doing in they're there awesome. like i felt awkward and i opened up the door and the reason they had me wait is because they were all on their hands and knees bowing <laughs> bowing to you yes holy shit <laughs> and i was That's like fucking amazing what? like that man. was my introduction to davy i was like what is happening? Wow. He's like, you, you know, like, that, like that's, it was crazy. And that was such an honor back then. I remember just being blown away. Like what? How are people I'm fans of a fan of my food? Like that is wild. Fucking amazing, now it's just man. become normal. And these are some of my closest friends and it's just, yeah. like, we're like a awesome community together and yeah. we're strong, better together. Right. But yes. back then it was just like, what? <laughs> like this is well, so you cool. Started, were you shipping stuff out to bands on tour too, or if they requested it, yeah. Like we've yeah. got a lot of tour managers like requesting stuff. We've delivered to so many people. Met a lot of people through just your food. Oh my god! And that must yeah. feel good because it's something you created out yeah. of passion and compassion for right. everything. And I mean that's that's amazing. And I mean one thing I could say about that is it gets other people eating vegan. You know when their favorite rock stars like supporting my company. Of course, other people are like, "Oh, I want to eat vegan," which is amazing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, while all that stuff is cool, I think what you know what it's all about is that we're getting people to eat more compassionately. Hundred percent. I mean that's the goal of, of all of it. And. um You've been doing it for 20 years. It's pretty amazing. So now it's just like everybody. I know Tony Canal has been there like three three or four times. He's been over to there. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, everybody loves your stuff. Everybody wants your stuff. It's a high demand. Um, I'm sure like, so wait, so people can order online too. You ship it all around the world. Yeah, we ship seasonally. Okay. Yeah, we're about to be shipping for Halloween soon. We bring out like the Fatally Yours Halloween edition. Wow. Man. <laughs> and so there's a whole shipping department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, everything's all in one building at this point, right? It's shipping, yeah. cooking, packing, all that shit. It is. But you know, this is just the beginning. Yeah. I mean, 20 years is a long, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's we're kind of in the bottleneck though. You know, we're at, we're, we've had such a tremendous like growth spurt, but now it's time to branch out and expand. Yeah. It it must be an amazing journey for you seeing from when you started till now, how popular veganism is and how it's changing the planet and you being there from the beginning, um, maybe a little bit struggling to be, maybe not just people really not knowing what the hell it was that you were making or the word vegan. And now like. It's I never would have guessed huge. this in a million years. Dude. I never would have guessed it. And you know what? I am so proud to have like accomplished this. And I love that there's so many like vegan bakers and um, other things out there that are popping up all over the place. I think there's room for everybody and we should encourage it as much as we possibly can. Yeah, it's not a competition. It's not like I'm a better vegan or you're a better cook, whatever. It's just all of us are doing it for the animals. The number That's one right. goal is to save the animals and the planet. So it doesn't matter if some of the stuff might taste similar or look similar or be in maybe the same area. It's just everybody's trying. I'd rather have more options like that than a bunch of meat options in restaurants around. I'd rather have a bunch of vegan restaurants on one street. Exactly. Which, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's super important. A lot of people get caught up where it's like, it's not about you at all. Me, me, me. It's not about that person. It's about the animals. And that's why people are doing things. Um, it's a very selfless act. It's not a yeah. selfish act. And everybody should definitely spend like more of their negative energy trying to change things that we want to change about the world in a more positive way instead of being negative towards each other, I think would be a really great message yeah. to take away. Yeah, I think sometimes the vegans sometimes do that to other vegans. It's sometimes vegans are the worst enemy of vegans because it's very everybody's very opinionated and everybody doesn't see the big picture. Not all of us are on the same the same page as far as saving the planet and animals, sometimes people are really particular about, like just say now, like in the impossible and the beyond, it's in fast food restaurants. Like we don't have to go in those restaurants, but we can support it and promote it and let people know there's these options because most of those companies are for meat eaters to get them to, to wean off of meat and have an option that's a little more healthier than fast food. And some vegans when uproar because it might be cooked on the same grill, you don't have to go eat it. Nobody's forcing anybody to go eat these products. These products are out there for everybody to try. It doesn't have to be for us. But, but I respect the fact that they're there and they're making a massive impact. And Impossible and Beyond is like the biggest threat to the meat industry I've ever seen in my entire life on this planet. It's amazing and I completely agree with what you said 100%. Yeah, it's really it's really like, it's frustrating when you see people like talking shit about it. It's like, listen man, you don't have to eat it and um, it, it's killing every single, my wife went and tried it and she went and tried it on Slauson and Crenshaw, and she asked, every time she tries something new at these places, she'll say, how's it doing? Oh my God, it's flying out the door. Mm-hmm. So in all these different de- neighborhoods throughout Los Angeles and probably the country, my friend hit me up, he's eating an Impossible Burger in Arkansas. Like for people who are touring bands who've like struggled and had phony bologna in their fucking pocket and made Subway sandwiches in the early 90s, <laughs> there's all these options out there, Del Taco, all that shit. Yeah. And it's it's great that they're there. And obviously for, for me personally, I try to eat less of the fake stuff and our main stop on tour is Whole Foods for everybody because not everybody's a vegan in my band. But there's always going to be options. But the fact that it's catching on, and even if it is a trend, it's the most positive, amazing trend that's helping animals. And that's the number one thing. It's saving lives. So it's the best trend this planet's ever fucking seen. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. I always feel like people are vegan for you know three reasons. It's either like animal rights, um, environmental reasons, or health reasons, right? Yeah. I'm definitely for the animals. Yeah. But... It also helps all those other things as well. 100%. So. Yeah, it's like another two or three perks that comes with it. Exactly. Trying to save the animals. So about animals, you go to South Africa a lot um, and you actually go into the jungle with gorillas and all kinds of fucking massive animals. When did that start? And tell us about it, please, a little bit. Because I've seen pictures and shit. It's fucking insane. It's Mm -hmm. insane. When did you start going there? Um, I took my mom for her 60th birthday. I love wildlife. So I just love to get to Africa um, if I can. Yeah. I try to go. I love, I went trekking for mountain gorillas in Rwanda. I oh, mean, originally, shit. you know, I just, I wanted to be able to see the animals yeah, that <laughs> are the reason I do what I do. It's, exactly. You know, and sometimes when I have one of those nights where I'm stressed out and everything's possibly going wrong, it's like I have to reset and remember that why I'm doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So going out there, was it, was it like the first time going in the jungle, the fucking massive gr- If you see these pictures, people, maybe she'll post them or give me one to post someday. It's just like massive gorillas and fucking lions and tigers and shit like that. 
<laughs> no tigers. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and bears. Oh my. She's like no tigers. Okay, so gorillas and shit. So how close have you gotten to one of them? And is it scary? Uh, mountain gorillas. They're really gentle, actually. Okay. Yeah, they're really sweet. I love them. You got um, to touch them and stuff right up close to them? Actually, like my third day of trekking for gorillas, I wanted to see the Sabino group because it's the largest silverback in the world. He weighs okay. 660 pounds. And I was right up front because I was so excited. And I was right <laughs> next to the guide. And uh, the silverback just came barreling over and he grabbed my arm and lifted it up. I guess the gorilla had never seen like full sleeves, you know, tattoos. Holy shit. He's like a tattooed human. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. And he lifted up my arm and kind of turned my arm and then dropped it and then like went back to eating. But the guide almost like died. He, he was, could have ripped your arm off in like one second. He was so gentle. His hand felt like like scared? my dad's like rough, like a hardworking hand, you know? You I was, scared? I was elated. I was so excited. Like, <laughs> I was so happy. I don't even know. I was like, oh my God, a gorilla just touched me. So he fucking grabbed your hand. On my arm. And looked at your tattoos. Yeah. He grabbed my arm, twisted it, looked at my tattoos, and then just like went back to eating. Holy shit. That, that moment must have been. It was amazing. <laughs> so for people listening, my friend Brian just got it from Black Train Jack. He was on the episode last week. She just told me that she was in the, in, in, in the Rwanda. Jump, in Rwanda with the fucking gorillas. And a gorilla came over to a gigantic silverback. Yeah, silverback, the and, big male. And grabbed her arm and picked it up and looked at her tattoos. And he then put turned her arm it. Down, yeah, arm down. It could have just ripped that shit off and fucking ate it. They're vegetarians, Toby. What? They're vegetarians. No, I know. They're the strongest living vegetarian on the planet. So when people <laughs> say, "Where do you get your protein from?" Look at a fucking gorilla, you ass. So I had coffee today too. It's my new thing. I did it with Brian last week. So yeah, they're such a powerful, strong animal. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it was what, amazing. What else did you see out there? Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> she goes to Africa a lot and sees animals. It's fucking awesome. That's a real fucking vegan being out there in the fucking wilderness with the animals. Any snakes or anything or not? Yeah, I got to, uh, I saw a baby python, a regular python. Um, I don't know. Did you get sick? Lions, out? cheetahs, leopards. Did you get sick out there or something weird happened or? <laughs> Didn't you get weird? That was the first time I we went to Africa. Do we have to talk about that? Did you get, all right, is it bad? <laughs> Did you eat like some poisonous shit or something? You ate some poison shit. You're gonna tell the story. People like stories, man. You're gonna tell the poison story. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Well, I've been to Africa so many times. To know since what not to eat in the All right, jungle. all right. I went to Africa for three and a half weeks. I like face double. Not on you. On Brian, the face double looks good. I'm not saying Daniel's face double. Your face double looks good, Brian. Okay, so go ahead. Oh my God. Go ahead. Okay, so um, we are on safari. And there was this plant I kept seeing and they had these, you know, green pods. It looked like edamame, maybe like a snap pea. Yeah. Um, you know, but the guide only spoke Swahili and then another guide spoke Swahili in English. Or sorry, I'm saying it all wrong. Can we start over? Let's go start over again. <laughs> I can raise that. Story. Keep it going. Let's keep it going. Alright, anyway, so there were these pods. They kind of looked like snap peas or something like that. And there was a Maasai guy who spoke Maasai and Swahili, and then there was a guy who spoke Swahili and English so okay. I had to get translated through two people so basically yeah. I said are these edible and what I thought the answer was through two translations was yes okay so or are these edibles <laughs> no <laughs> so I pick one of these beans because I just wanted something green like I'd been eating like chapati and beans for days and yeah. I picked it and I ate it part of it and it tasted really disgusting and I threw it out I like threw it over whatever and my cousin was standing next to me. It was just my mom, my cousin, myself, and my one friend. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I don't know. I think at this point, it, like, it started to kick in. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, my face feels weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I, And I was trying to touch my face because it felt numb, but I, I couldn't comprehend that my arm wouldn't lift up to touch my own face. Holy shit. So I was trying to figure it out. And then finally, my hand made its way to my face, and I was like, it's really wet. I remember thinking like, I think I'm drooling, but I couldn't comprehend it. Yeah. And I couldn't like function properly. Yeah. And then I just remember my cousin looking at me, like I can kind of see her looking at me. And, um, the next thing I know I was on the ground and there, um, there were like pouring cold buckets of water over my head. And like this, um, a side guy grabbed a machete and like immediately shredded this like thick piece of grass and started feeding it down my throat to, induced vomiting well anyway i had eaten like really poisonous beans and could have died wow. and was extremely sick and the closest hospital is like three hours away um dude, so we ended up anxiety right now <laughs> some hypochondriac anyway dude i'm freaking good basically you're just telling everyone that i'm a big idiot no you're not you're, <laughs> what are you supposed to know not to eat a fucking thing in africa i think okay here's the lesson <laughs> never eat anything you don't know what it is anywhere in the world 
Yeah. Especially maybe not Africa. But if, if you're down the street from a, if you're down the street from a hospital, you want to get something weird thing in the bushes. No, don't do it. But you know close. what? Thank God for a Maasai tribesman, by the way. Like. Yeah. They knew their shit. So. The silverback is the closest you ever come to the biggest gorilla, probably when he grabs your arm. Yeah, I've had a few of the baby baby gorillas like come up and like shove me, like push my legs and, and they're stuff. They're so strong, right? Um, I mean, the little ones are just funny. They're like yeah. ridiculous little goofballs, but but they're yeah. well protected and well respected out there. So yeah, in uh, Rwanda, is like sixty percent of the population of gorillas. There's um, about eight hundred, and they only allow eight visitors once a day for one hour. You have to apply for a permit, and it's one of the best things you could do for conservation is supporting things like. The gorilla fund, you know? Holy shit. There's only 800 of them? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and you can cross into the other side. In the Congo, there's also mountain gorillas and um, lowland gorillas. and uh, But that's a little bit more of a dangerous territory to visit. But going you, to Rwanda is amazing and super safe and one of the most exquisite places on earth. Do you want to do the dangerous one someday? I dream of going to the Democratic Republic of Congo because it's the last great ape I've yet to see is the bonobo. Wow, that's fucking awesome. Is she going to go there some, sometime soon? Like, that's your goal. I would like to. I just can't convince anyone who, to go with me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would go. I'm a little scared. It'd be kind of crazy. Um, so when was the last time you went to Africa? This year. I went to... Um, you try every year, right? I try. But it's not, it's not that easy. Yeah. It depends where you want to go. It's a lot of planning. So here we are 20 years later with the vegan treats. Mm-hmm. You've done all this great thing for animals. Um, what's the next move for vegan treats besides Los Angeles that we discussed earlier? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, some expanding, s- some serious expansion is on the horizon. Yeah. She needs a big ass fucking factory somewhere. Correct. <laughs> and to get you, <laughs> I need mass production. Mass this is production. working very inefficiently. People are, you know, overlapping at my bakery. It's insane. Yeah. That's such a good thing though, too. I need, yeah. What is some advice you could give to like anybody starting a business because you basically started making shit in, in the kitchen at your house because you became vegan mm-hmm. and you wanted some, make a dessert because there was no desserts that vegan. So I'm going to make my own fucking cake. Never cooked before, never baked before. Just fucking did it because you wanted to do it. And then it became your life for 20 years and Vegan Treats is so, so, so successful. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, the first vegan bakery on the fucking planet. And... What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's starting a business, whether it's a uh, rest or whatever it's going to be like, would it just stick to it? Or what is your, what's your motivation besides saving the animals? Um, pretty much. I guess I would just say that it, hard work, you got to work hard and it doesn't matter if someone else is doing it better. You just got to do it and you got to show up because yeah. I might not be the best out there. Although you think so. You are the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the point is, is I never quit. You know, I don't ever quit and I keep going and I give it 110%. Yeah, you work hard. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's kind of how I feel. And I feel like, you know, how many animals have been killed in the amount of time we've been sitting here? It's true. Um, I'd have to look up a statistic, but it's in the millions. Yeah. Did you ever feel like quitting? I felt like quitting many times, but I had to remind myself that I wasn't doing it because I cared about cakes. I was doing it because I cared about animals. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, And did you ever... Do you have any regrets at all? I have no regrets. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. You're the first person ever on this podcast to say that no regrets. I have no regrets. I, I mean, I that. think everything, you learn from everything you do, whether it's right or wrong, you just keep moving forward. Yeah. So that, that, that's your main thing, is just never give up, believe in yourself, you believe you're doing something, you continue to do it no matter what. Exactly. So many ups and downs. I'm sure it's highs and lows in your career so far. But you got to be passionate about it, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't do it for money. You can't do it for stupid reasons. Like, you have to care about it. And your passion is always going to be there because you love the animals. You want to save them. Exactly. So it's like something you just into for a couple weeks. And I'm not into that passion no more. And I'm not going to do this no more. Like, this is something you live every day. And you travel to see animals. And you do everything you can to. Yeah. And also, also I would say, stay in your own lane. Like, you, you did your own shit. You never really worried about other people copying you. You support other people starting vegan companies because it all helps the planet. Regardless if people bit your recipe or not, you stayed focused and made your own stuff, made new things, created new things. Exactly. I mean, you can't let other people, what they're doing, distract you away what the next person is doing. Just do you and inspire others. And I feel like you're living proof to that. You're like the, you're like the living proof of a DIY businesswoman. I try to be. It's the most important thing in my life. Yeah. I mean, you have how many people working for you again? 53. 53 working for you 20 years doing it and before the internet before veganism was cool all that by word of mouth 
because your product spoke volumes and people love the taste and it and you said there's a lot of people go, that go to your place aren't even vegan. That's right. I've never advertised. I've never set out to get an account. It's all been word of mouth. I'm afraid what would happen if I tried. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. When well, I'm now, ready. Well, when now, I'm ready. Well, now with the internet, it's easy. Everybody <laughs> yeah. can just Google fucking vegan treats and see. But before that, it was just word of mouth. And the vegan community was so fucking small. You know what I mean? Like, you know what to expect. You live in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. You know what to expect when you open up a fucking pastry shop there. It's all vegan. A fucking foreign word. Exactly. Back then a foreign word, you know? Um, so yeah, man, I'm psyched for you to be in Crossville. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> First appears there. Um, okay, you. Pro- uh, this is a stupid question to ask you. Optimistic or pessimistic person? Optimistic. Oh my God, 100%. are you kidding? You're so posy. Always been so posy. Yeah. And Life's yeah. too short. I'm sorry. Life is too short. Mm-hmm. I always try to be super positive. I try to. I mean, I have my moments. It's hard in this world. Yeah, where lots now. of things go wrong, but yeah. yeah. Do you find yourself living in like a little PMA world of like, you go, to, you do your running, you go to your shop, you make your bakery, you make your foods, all that shit. And then I try not to look at the news so much. I'm kind of in some bubble yeah. sometimes. Too. I'm in a vegan bubble. I sometimes okay. forget. I really do. And I think I surround myself with people like like-minded people and I love, you know, all the things I love is kind of magnetic. Yeah. And then I'll show up to like a family picnic or something and people are like eating hot dogs. And I was like, what? People still eat hot dogs? Mm-hmm. Like I forget. I have to be reminded sometimes. I feel the way too. Like the other day I walked out here and I saw a guy smoking on the corner. I was like, oh shit, people still smoke cigarettes? <laughs> it's because it's like not, not the people I hang out with do that. You know, we get I know. in the world. Yeah. Um, so I went to like, a, I went to eat, drink, vegan, whatever out here. Mm-hmm. And it's this huge vegan thing at the yeah. Rose Bowl. And there's like fucking lines for all these Vegan companies I'd never heard of, like hundreds of them. It was overwhelming. I barely ate anything. I felt overwhelmed with to choose, you know? So you do the same thing back home for five years as a vegan thing. And so what, what town is it in? Oh, we do veg fests a lot of weekends uh, year round. Yeah, where Like is we're that? in Albany Veg Fest today right now while I'm here doing this podcast with you. Oh, but shit. my manager texted me that we sold out. So we left early. So what's the main one you do that you went to a couple weeks ago? DC big, Veg Fest? There was a big one. Somewhere That's the huge one. They're all over, but the stuff there was a Hershey or some small place or some shit. Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Oh, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Phoenixville, we Pennsylvania. We did that one. Yeah. So when you have these things, mm-hmm. you're like the rock star. Like your shit, there's lines and your shit sells out. It's uh, like, yeah, I feel bad about the line, but I don't know how to make it go faster. It's like the number one main thing out there is the vegan. Tre- I don't want uh, the companies, but supposedly vegan treats is just like. Yeah. It's fucking, it's the one out there. It's, it's crazy. Overwhelming. Yeah, they had to set up stanchions, you know, like roller coaster line set up zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. Just, just to get the, just to get the, uh, the treats. I got some here. You're gonna give me try one too, Brian. Got some in the refrigerator. You can try one. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, you don't refrigerate those. You don't? No. No, Moon, Moon puts them in the refrigerator, so she might like them cold. Um, it's trying to cover everything out, you know. Um, it's crazy because I always gonna call you Danielle Vegan Treats. I'm not gonna say your last name. Even though I said it before that. Um, people can find you online, Vegan Treats. Vegantreats.com, um, at Vegan Treats on Instagram. Yeah. Can request well, your ice cream flavors. I think you're, I, just to rewind real quick, because we have like a guest in here. Can you listen? Just rewind the fact that you became vegan after seeing these lobsters and how they're being treated. Then you got your chicken on your plate, and then you fucking just made it right then. I'm not going to eat these animals anymore. They have feelings, and I'd be compassionate. Your mom was super supportive, and but your mom always cooked for you and made great meals, and but she always had a great dessert, and that's a big part of the dinner for you is always have good desserts. So you made your own cake and they turned it into this fucking company after 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's, it, the story is amazing, man, because it's so DIY. It wasn't like you, you went to school and you wanted to be a chef and you fucking did this. You got inspired, I think, through the scene of music and the people you're around and they just transcended into this, your career. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. wasn't like, I'm going to do this with my life. It just fucking happened. Exactly. Something just struck you when you saw the, when they saw the lobsters and you're like, I don't eat that shit anymore. And, I, and then, just by making a cake, hey, check this out, and they started spreading. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, the story is amazing, man. It's crazy. It's very. You did it all by yourself. I don't even like baking. You don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it by yourself, though. Is what I'm saying. Did you? Yeah. Have, you had. You no, know, I had no financial support. That's what I'm I probably saying. had a hundred dollars in my bank account. I had a super supportive mom. I had insane ambition, which I've never lost. I, I don't know where that comes from, you but stay I'm hungry. super dedicated. I do. Uh, I, I'm kind of an unstoppable force. Like if it's worth doing, I'll do it. And I won't stop until I've done it right. So this is just, we're in the middle. This interview has to end with like dot, dot, dot. Because I don't know what's going to happen with vegan treats, but I won't stop until there's vegan options available. I, and I won't stop everywhere. bothering you to this vegan treats, not just LA, but everywhere. Be amazing. Because you, know I mean? you, you yeah. got the East Coast unlock, you ship internationally, all that. But like, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. And there's got to be a way to duplicate that in major cities. Because it'll do so well. Now is the time for you because... You put so much hard work into it and so grassroots and so DIY, but now it's this massive 
I got assigned machine. to a major label now. Yeah, you're very independent. I could not sell to a major. <laughs> I'm just I was kidding. A to a major. Um, <laughs> what the kids said. I'm kidding. Um, but we need you in LA. I'm going to push for that. I'm going to go on record saying I'd invest in that. I can name a bunch of people to invest in. Even my friend probably right here to have a vegan treats in Los Angeles. It's it's, it's necessary. I know people that can. We know people that can run it, make it fucking awesome, and make it feel knowing that it's in good hands for you and that your shit's being made. If not better than it is on the East Coast, which I know it's hard to do. You better shit. start practicing. You're gonna uh, have to get in the kitchen. I, I can't cook shit. I barely make positive for my wife. <laughs> so on that note, I love you and appreciate you. Everything you've done for the animals and you continue to do for the animals and how compassionate and positive and awesome. You've been a great friend to me for many, many years, two decades. I'm proud of you, and I can't wait to I can't wait to go eat vegan treats in L.A. Not have to bother you to ship me shit. Um, <laughs> and everybody that supports her and for all these years, I know she appreciates it and. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 a great time to be a vegan. I'm very proud, you know, to be one and see the world change in front of my eyes. And that one day, we can all look back and can't believe, like, look back ten years from now, ten years later, we look back here and say, oh my god, people are still killing animals and slaughtering animals. It's just so barbaric and crazy. It still happens, but I think now everybody's being so more conscious, conscious, and about what's going on. You know, I agree, and I love and appreciate you too. And I think it's important, everybody. I'll leave with this message that it's only been a small group of people that have revolutionized this vegan movement. So a little bit goes a long way. It's a really good point. Because when you, when you did it, you didn't expect it to be big. And you did it because we're a small community who felt this way. Exactly. And you didn't care if any other people in your whole fucking town even knew about anything. You're just like, I'm going to open up this bakery and whatever happens, happens. Exactly. And it's making waves. And vegan desserts will soon not be the underdog. It will be the you know, Do you feel majority. Like, you feel like it's an underdog? I mean, there's so many non-vegan desserts still out there, despite my vegan world. <laughs> uh, is, is there any company you can mention that you, another vegan company that a bakery that you love? Oh my God, I don't know. Um, well, Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for all information. Um, is, is you been on a podcast before? Uh, your podcast? You've been on a podcast. Oh, I've I've done some podcasts. Yeah. Whatever. This is the best one. Of course. Um, Anyway, I appreciate everyone here. Brian, thanks for being a guest in the kitchen. So good to be here. We covered everything, right? Pretty much. I think so. Is there one band or one song that inspired you to become vegan out of the punk scene or anything like that? Or was it just everything combined? Uh, I think it was a combination of love, support, a passion for music. I don't know. A shared a shared uh, common thoughts, basically. Yeah. I love that. You said a lot of great things today. You're a very smart woman. <laughs> I have more, Thank I have, you. you have a new, not that I didn't know you were smart, but I have a new like respect for your whole story and everything, <laughs> your whole story. Because you told me last night at dinner, like you have to tell me this on the podcast tomorrow. Just everything. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Be proud of yourself. Thank you. The animals appreciate you. The world appreciates you. <laughs> Brian appreciates you. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash OLOC and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you can try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code OLOC for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.